0: Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms and chapter 1, Psalms Chapter 1, and today I'm starting a new series called Fresh Start. Can you say with me, Fresh Start? You know, there's something important about starting things the right way. Starting things the right way. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched, I like to watch the Olympics when they come around every four years or so, and you're watching all those races, and they get out there and they get a false start. What happens when you have a false start? What does everyone have to do? They have to stop, and they have to get lined back up. Sometimes it takes a couple minutes, right, and then they have to start all over, They get a false start. Well, there's something about starting out things the right way. There's something about starting out your year the right way. And I think it's a perfect day for us to be able to start on new year here in church talking about a fresh start. I'm going to talk for four Sundays about having a fresh start because the beginning of things really, really, really matters in our life. And so I don't care if last year was a horrible year for you or if it was a great year for you. Nevertheless, it's over. I said it's over, <laughs> and we have a brand new year here in 2023, and you have a fresh start. Today is the first day of the rest of this year and the rest of your lives, and so let's make it count. Uh, it's important to, in order to win a race, you have to have a good start. So today is the start of a brand new year, uh, a brand new year. In fact, a hundred years ago today, on uh, January the 1st, uh, 1923 was the beginning of the interdenominational movement that we're involved in that's called Foursquare. It started today, 100 years ago today. Today is the 100-year the anniversary. And it started out with a movement of the Holy Spirit back out of the Azusa Street Revival there in Los Angeles. I've been there many times. Used to go to Bible college down there in Los Angeles. And, um, and here, 100 years later, I think there, last I read, there's like 80-some thousand churches around the world Still going on 100 years later. Well, they had the right start. In fact, Jesus talked about starts. Remember when he was about to leave and he said to everybody, he commanded them, do not leave until you're endued with power. He told the the starting of the church, right? He said, do not leave until you're endued with power. Don't go out and just try to witness. Make sure... That you'll receive power, it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses. So they had to have the start of the church some 2,000 years ago and the church is still alive and going and thriving today. Why? Because it had a great start. And here at the beginning of this year, let's have a great start. Today I want to talk about starting with God's word. Starting with God's word. There's nothing like God's word uh, in your life and in my life. Um, It's going to be four weeks. Stick with me in this because I believe this is an important, important series. This may be the most important one today, and so I'm glad you're here today. But I remember when I was younger, and I was trying to serve the Lord. I loved the Lord. I had a passion for the Lord. But uh, how many of you know that if you just have a passion and not a desperation, your passion wears out, right? You need to have a real hunger and love and need Uh, For God, But I remember that it was like I was on the road with the Lord, and I was going down this road, but I kept falling off. It's sort of like my road had no guardrails, and I kept falling off the road and going into the ditch and falling. And I'd come back on, and I'd fall and go into the ditch, and it felt like half of my Christian life was in the ditch, and half of my Christian life was on the road. Anybody ever relate to that? Yeah, that's just how life was until one thing I realized, and it wasn't my passion for the Lord because I was passionate about the Lord, but I was in the ditch half the time passionately (laughs) but I came to realize that the thing that would keep me the most consistent in my walk with the Lord was God's word it's God's word It's not passion. It's not anything else. It's God's word. And so I want to talk to you about starting with God's word today. I remember this scripture that I read in Psalm 119. I didn't tell you to turn there, but I just want to read it to you. In Psalm 119, it says this. How can a young man cleanse his way? And that's what I was when I was reading it. How can a young man cleanse his way? And what does it say? By taking heed according to your word. And it says, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wonder. Notice from your commandments. That's your word. And then it says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. If you want to be a person who doesn't sin against the Lord, it's not just praying again or getting anointed again or getting deliverance again. Because I've watched many people get delivered and freed and fallen on the ground and had Holy Spirit experiences, which are awesome. I love them. But they've walked back up and walked right back into bondage. Right? There's something about hiding God's word in your heart and that creates consistency in your life. We need the Holy Spirit. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. But we need to press into and believe that God's word is of ultra importance to our lives. I remember I would slip and slip and slip again. But when I began to sow the word on a consistent basis in my life, it brought consistency. I'm not not perfect, and I, I never will be perfect but it is something that brings more consistency. Can you relate to that in your life, that you're passionate about God, but it doesn't seem like you're always on course? And I I know that God's word has an answer here. I want to read to you a couple of verses. One is in Matthew chapter 4. If you'll remember the context of this, uh, Jesus, after he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. In other words, before God caused him to go out and deal with people and their lives, he wanted... He wanted Jesus to deal with his own heart and his own life. Not that Jesus had any sin because he didn't have any sin. But whenever God wants to use you for something, there's things you have to overcome in your own life and get settled on so that God can use you to help those things in in other people's lives. Again, Jesus was sinless. But the very first thing that the Holy Spirit led him to do after he was baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit was this. It was to go into the wilderness and to deal with the temptations of the devil. And it was really this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, which First John says that's the only thing that we're tempted with. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. It's the same three things that Eve was tempted with when, when she fell and Adam fell. It's the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. If you want to overcome, you have to overcome in those three areas. So, but how did Jesus overcome? Jesus, of all people... When the devil comes to tempt him, what did he do? All three times he started with saying this. And what did he say? It is written. Jesus answered and said, he's talking to Satan. He said, it is written. It was written in the book of Deuteronomy. And in fact, all three times he said it was written. It was all within just a few chapters right back there in Deuteronomy. So he must have been meditating on it or reading right there. And notice how he combated the devil. He didn't say, you big bad devil. I'm going to cuss you out, you, you know freaking devil or whatever it is. Right, it's not having an attitude with the devil or having this that the devil's gonna go, whoa, he's mad today. No, but I'll tell you why the devil ended up leaving him was because he's speaking God's word. There's something about being strong in the word of God. Even Jesus, who is the word of God, said, it is written. Notice, he came back to the word and he said this, it is written, read this with me, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I want you to notice what he was saying, that bread feeds your physical man. Bread sustains your life physically. Food sustains your life physically, but God's words sustain your life spiritually. Just like you need physical food for your body to have energy and to exist and to thrive, you have to have God's word for your spirit to feed on and for your spirit to be able to, uh, to, to, be able to thrive. Now, look at, look at this verse. This is another one, a, a basic one. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, blessed is the man. Would you read it with me? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice, You'll be, some people say it blessed, or some people say blessed. It's the same, same word, okay? Blessed. What is he saying? You'll be blessed if you don't hang out with the world and follow the world's counsel. Yeah. You'll be blessed if you don't go after the old life and the old things. That's why one of the things Jesus and John the Baptist and Paul and Peter and all of them would say right up front is repent. <laughs> what is repent? It means turn from the past. Don't try to live your new life with the Lord In your old ways, right? So he's saying you'll be blessed if you don't walk, stand, or sit with the ungodly, right? But he says what? But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. That's the word of God. And in his law, he meditates. How often? Day and night. In his law, he meditates day and night. Day and night. The Bible is putting the word of God in your heart is often compared to as the comparison of like a farmer. The word of God is the seed and our heart is the soil. What would a farmer do if he didn't have any seed or if he didn't focus on the seed? He goes, I'm not gonna worry about the seed. It's just gonna, well, you wouldn't get a harvest, right? If you don't put God's word inside of your heart, you can't grow. You have to have God's word inside of your heart. You have to allow God's word to be planted and watered and cultivated in your heart a lot over and over. And notice how often he meditates day and night, day and night. Who will this person be like? It says, he shall be what? Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Well, what's the opposite of planted? Uh, Wavering all over the place. Have you ever seen someone and you go, man, that guy's all over the place. It's just all over the place. Like one day they're into this. Maybe you're, you know, you've been that way, right? All over the place. I'm into this. And the next day they're into this. And the next day they're all in this. And then they're up. And the next day, you know, they're down. And then the next day they're like happy. And then they're angry. And you're like, what's going on? Well, they're not planted. They don't have any foundation. But he says the person who meditates the word day and night, we would call it a stable person. Right? Consistency. He's planted by the rivers of water. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Do you know that you are like a tree and you have fruit, but your fruit is not dependent on what you have on the inside. Sometimes people don't think that they have gifts and they get all discouraged and go, I don't have many gifts. I don't know, God didn't give me gifts. No, it's not the gifts. It's just the gifts need to add water. It's like those packages you get where it says just add water and then it comes back to life. It comes all to life. You know, you just have to add the word right? Sometimes your gifts come to life when you add the word to it. So what do you have to do? You have to take the gifts that the Lord's put inside of you and plant yourself into the word. And as you plant yourself into the word, your gifts come to life and they begin to make an impact on other people's lives. And so what did he say? You'll be like a tree. You'll be planted. You'll be consistent. You'll bring forth your fruit. In other words, the gifts the Lord's put in your life, they'll come to life. When what? When you pray, no, when you plant your heart into the word, right? With a prayerful heart, of course. He says, whose leaf also shall not wither. What does that mean? It means you're not going to wear out. You're not going to get dry. You're not going to have spiritual drought. You're not going to be burned out. Why? Because you're planted. Why? Because your heart's in the word. How often? It's an open book. Here, here. It's an open book test. How often? Day and night. So when you're planted day and night, day and night, what's going to happen? Your leaf won't wither. And notice this, and whatever he does shall prosper. Sometimes we think that blessing comes in our lives just because we had an opportunity. But I want you to notice, this person didn't even need an opportunity. Everything was an opportunity. Everything worked. When you are planted in the word, everything works. Everything the Lord leads you to do and you step into it, it all works. Everything he does prospers. So listen, if something in your life is not consistent, if you're not bringing forth fruit, if you're wearing out and wearing down, and if you're not prospering in areas of your life, what's the answer? To meditate the word. I know it seems boring to a lot of people. You're like, oh, okay, I've heard this before. No, 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 but this is the answer. You've been praying for the answer? Here's your answer. Yeah, it's all in the word of God. Amen. Everything he does will prosper. Our heart is like soil and we're like farmers. So uh, when he says meditate, by the way, day and night, why don't we just start with daily? Why don't we just start with daily and say, let's make a decision that in 2023, in fact, would you just do it right now? In 2023, I'm going to open God's word every day. Yeah. And I'm going to put the word of God inside of my heart every single day. Um, Would you look at a few things with me uh, today? And I just want to open up a couple of things is this, the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible okay, the Bible. The Bible is comprised of 66 books, okay? There's 39 Old Testament and 27 New Testament books in the Bible. It's, it's uh, laid out in 1189, uh, 1189 chapters, which is 929 Old Testament, 260 New Testament. We know that there's 365 days in a year. So if you took about 3.24 or 5 or something like that. If you took about three or four chapters a day and read them, you'd get through the whole Bible in one year. Okay, you'll get through the whole Bible in one year. Now, um, the Old Testament and the New Testament are the two that how the Bible's divided. Now, for some of you go, I already know this, but there's a lot of people who don't. They just haven't, I'm just filling in some gaps. Because you, you may know three quarters of it, but there's just some gaps that are important. So the Old Testament is what we would call like before Christ came to this earth, right? And then the New Testament would be uh, the new covenant or after Christ came. Now... uh, why would we read the Old Testament? Because there's a lot of people who say, well, when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. He fulf- in fact, he said, I didn't come to put away, I came to be the fulfillment of that. So some people say, well, because we have a new covenant, why would we read the old covenant? In other words, if, we, if you were given a new manual for something, why would you keep reading the old manual? So some people just say, I don't even read the old covenant anymore. But let me tell you why. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 15, verse 4. These are just things that you can go back to because people will ask you this. By the way, I'm not teaching you things for you only. I'm teaching you things because people have questions. And you are not only to be disciples, you're to make disciples of other people. And how do you make disciples? Through the word of God. So you have to know why those things. Why do we read the Old Testament? Romans chapter 15, verse four, it says this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. What is he saying? Even though things have been updated in the new covenant, even though Jesus, we're under grace now, not under the law, there's still so many things in the New Testament that we can go back and read the stories and be encouraged and have hope in our lives knowing that they trusted God without the covenant and and it came through and we now have Jesus And grace, and we know it's going to work out because we go back and we look. And what does it do? It brings us this big word, hope. It's what a lot of people are missing today. They're missing hope. So why do we read the New Testament? Well, also, not only for hope, but it foreshadows Jesus. It foreshadows the New Testament. So it gives context to the New New Testament. And so that's why uh, why we continue to read in the Old Testament. Now, the New Testament is the new covenant, but it's not entirely the new covenant, okay? I'm not coming up with something weird here. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, was primarily about the life of Jesus, okay? Primarily about the life of Jesus. This is what's called the Gospels, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When Jesus was here on earth, he was born here on earth, and he lived in his life, and he loved people, he healed people, he preached the word to people, but he hadn't died yet. Is that basic? We all know that. So because he hadn't died yet, we, there weren't believers that were in Christ. They weren't born again yet until he came and gave his life. So we know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wasn't really under the new covenant yet, but it was under the person who was bringing the new covenant, the Messiah, the Christ, and that's Jesus, right? Uh, there's what's called the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what's called the synoptic. From, you know, the word like synonym, it means they run together. They have a lot of the timeline that goes together, a lot of the same stories, a lot of the same words even as they're they're being written. The synoptic gospels. Um, These gospels relate much of the same material, and they have the same order, similar words. Uh, They record in the synoptic gospels the birth of Jesus, but then they go immediately to the beheading of John, into the third year of Jesus' ministry, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It goes right to the third year of Jesus' ministry. But the book of John, it was written after A.D., 70 A.D., which is later than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John was written. And it includes the first two years of Jesus' ministry. So there's a lot of things in the book of John that aren't written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it also includes some of them. All of them include the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and also the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So those are all primary things that all of those Gospels include. Then after the Gospels, we have the Acts. The Gospels, the Acts. The Acts was, and you know, it was the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit was poured out in in the Acts. And it was the first church. And it was the beginning of the Acts. How many of you know Acts is still alive today? God is still in the miracle working business. God is still doing things, right? So it was the beginning of the Acts. Then we have the letters. The letters. The letters. The letters were letters written to the church. Uh, Paul wrote 13 of them, maybe 14 of them. Uh, it's still up in the air uh, of who, who wrote Hebrews. Many believe Paul wrote Hebrews. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but you'd say 14. But he wrote 13 of these books to the New Testament church. And then there's other letters that were written, uh, like Peter wrote some letters and James Uh, wrote letters, Uh, but these are all letters that are written to the church. These, I believe, are the primary place in the Bible. If you're going to meditate on any scriptures, if you're going to go over scripture, if you're going to feed on scripture, it would be the letters. Why? Because that is those who are under grace, those who are under the blood of Jesus, and that's to the New Testament church who's in Christ Jesus. It would be the letters. So if you're going to focus on, if you're to say, I don't know where to read in the Bible, but I'm just hungry, go to the letters. Letters. Right, And what would that be? It would be Romans through the book of Jude, which is right before Revelation. And then we have the Revelation. Notice it's not the book of Revelations, by the way. Sometimes people say, I'm looking Revelations. It didn't say Revelations. It says the Revelation. The Revelation, okay? And uh, why is Revelation so important? I know a lot of people just write it off and say, oh, I don't understand it. And people are arguing about it all the time. I forget Revelation. You ever done that before? Yeah. I forget Revelation. It confuses me. Well, Revelations kind of brings everything into context. There's something about knowing the beginning, which was Genesis, and knowing the end, that different people have different interpretations on how it's all going to work. But the Bible, Revelation says you'll be blessed if you'll just read it. So it's important for us to read Revelation. So we read it twice a year. It's important for us, at least, for us to read Revelation. There's something about the beginning and something about the end. Now, I want to go over with you. So, But notice in the New Testament, the Gospels, the Acts, the letters, the Revelation. Okay, that's just the layout of it. And then I didn't go over the New Testament with, uh, with things because it's a lot deeper. I want to look at this life journal. Would you open up this journal? And there's two reading plans. There's a classic reading plan and there's an express reading plan. The classic reading pr- plan goes through uh, the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice every year. The, old, the New Testament twice... And the Old Testament once every year. And listen, I would love for every person in this room and every person that's a part of Memphis Tabernacle to at least a chapter a day to join with us in our reading together. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But the classic reading plan is the Old Testament once, New Testament twice. It's about four chapters a day. It's about 15 minutes a day, which is about one one one-hundredth of a 24-hour period. Because there's 1,414 minutes in a day. So it's about... One one-hundredth of that, okay? I think we can all do that, right? We have I don't have time. We have time. God's given us all the same amount of time. It's making time for God's word, okay? Uh, the express reading plan, if you're new to reading the Bible on a consistent basis, then I would recommend start right there. What it does is it'll take out of this same classic reading plan, it'll t- just take select portions, maybe ones that you'd say, this, these would be the most important Verses, all of them are important, but these would be the most important ones and it'll take selection but you 'll go along and read right along uh, together uh, it 's about a chapter a day it 's about five minutes a day, so it 's about one to one tw- to two hundred and twenty eight of a day okay so everybody can take five minutes. Somebody just nudge the person next to you and say, "You could take five minutes and read the Bible. yeah, every person can do that every person can do that okay um, I want to go over the uh, I want you to look at uh, the classic reading plan for just a minute, if you'd open that up. And you see that under, like today is January the 1st, so it's nice and easy. What would we be reading today under the classic reading plan? We'd be reading Genesis 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1. Okay, that's what we'd be reading together. And then on the other plan, you can look at that. I want you to also pull out your phones. If you have a smartphone, this is for you. If you have a dumb phone, that's not for you. Okay, just pull out pull out your smartphone. If you have not downloaded the Bible app, would you go to the app store right now and download? Uh, to go to your app store and search Bible app, you can do it right now. I hardly ever encourage you to open your phones and and uh, and and search you know things or whatever, but you can do that today. Open up your phone and search. And if you haven't already, search the Bible. Okay, Under the Bible app, you'll wonder, well, there's a bunch of Bibles. This is the one that has 8.4 million downloads. Okay, It's a free Bible app. It it is like one of the best resources. I wish I had it when I was growing up in the Word because, man, I would have been all over this thing. And uh, like I am now, I love the Bible app. I use it every single day of my life. Um, The second thing, after you've downloaded it, you can open it up. And I'd like for you to do this because I know that someone's going to get home and go, I'll do it later. I don't know how to do it, but I'd like for you to just go ahead and do it right now. This is how to get logged on to the Bible app so that you can just pull out your phone if you forgot your Bible and you can use it anytime. You go to plans, right down here at the bottom, and you click on plans, and then you go up to find plans, okay? Right here to find plans. And then after you find plans, type in the search Life Journal. Type in, just go ahead and do it right now. You can pull in, if you already have it, type in Life Journal. Okay, and when you've got up Life Journal, you'll see this big blue sky right here. Okay, and you click on this sky right here. Uh, you click on this sky right here. Okay, and that's the Life Journal reading plan. That's the reading plan that is in this. Okay, it's the, that's the reading plan that we all do together. And then I want you to do this. Up at the very top, or would you, uh, oh, come over here. Come over to start plan. That, that would be important. Okay, that would be important. So press start plan, and all of you should see. Now, by the way, if you had this plan last year, and you go, what do I do with this plan? Just press stop plan, okay? Stop your last plan, and you're starting the same plan today, okay? Today is the perfect day to do it. So you're putting start plan, and you're starting it today. Now that you start it today, I want you to come down to, because I'm I'm showing you something. I want you to go down to Luke chapter 1 and click on it. Go down to Luke chapter one and click on it, okay? And it's going to open up. And then I want you to go up to the top where it has KJV or it has whatever translation, and click on that translation, and it'll open up a bunch of translations. Okay, it'll open up a bunch of translations. And I want you to, um, I want you to uh, go down to NLT. That's the New Living Translation. It's not the only translation. I'm just picking one, okay? The New Living Translation, I want you to, to click on that, the New Living Translation. I'm going to do that here, right here, at the same time. Da-da-da. Luke. New Living Translation, okay? And click on the New Living Translation there, and you'll see that that will open up. And you see this little, the, there's an audio file right up here at the top. What that, man, this thing is, uh, has its own, oh, you know why? Because I'm touching it, huh? Yeah, it, it's not the equipment. It's me. It's me. Just like, I'm, just like I'm saying, half of our problems in our life's not God. It's us. I was trying to illustrate that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But uh, we see this here uh, that we, we look at the, uh, the audio and you click on the audio. And when you click on the audio, this thing opens up right here. Okay. When this opens up right here, here's what's going to happen is you'll be able to, check this out, you'll be able to. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. So what will happen is you can actually have the Bible, and that's a, I like that one, this New Living Translation, and I'll explain to you why in just a minute. You can have that read back to you, and it actually follows along so that you can read along on that. And if you want to highlight it, all you do is you touch on the verse, and you press like yellow or something, and it will highlight that okay it'll highlight that and so it, that's a great way just to be able to go through and as it's reading or as you're reading you can just highlight a verse you're not studying it yet, you're just highlighting it, and you're going through, and you're highlighting the next one, and you're highlighting the next one. And so that's a great way to have the Word of God read to you. Another cool thing is you can switch the narrator if you don't like that narrator. Or I don't like that English, British voice or whatever it is, you know, or I don't like that music in the background or whatever. You can switch and find the narrator you like. Um, not all the versions have where it will read to you, but the New Living Translation does, and I'll use that one um, a lot. Uh, I want to explain to you about Translations. Because there's a lot of people who wonder what translation is the best translation. And you may have come from the school of, if it ain't the King James Version, it ain't God. Because Jesus wrote the King, Moses wrote the King James Version, right? Okay, and I, I understand that. I understand why some we're, were raised with that. I was raised when I was a kid with the King James Version uh, too. But, I, you know, there's other versions now. Okay, so I'll also use that. So, But I want to tell you, there's two basic translations, there's two kinds of translations, and I want to explain this to you, okay? Some of you may want to even take a picture of this because you want to explain it to somebody else, okay? But look at this. There's formal equivalence and there's dynamic equivalence. Now, for some of you who goes, I'm not technical, and you just checked out squirrel. (laughs) I don't really get all this. I'm going to make it really easy. There's formal and there's dynamic. Dynamic means it's moving, okay? It's a little bit more loose on that. The formal is a word for word. It's a literal translation, word for word. Word-for-word translation, okay? Uh, those would be uh, things like the King James, the New King James. The New King James is like the King James, but it just takes out the these and the thous and those things and it makes us in, in the language we speak, okay? The NASV, the ESV, the CSB, the RSV. The dynamic equivalence, that would be, instead of word-for-word, it's thought-for-thought. Or it's the message or the meaning that it takes of what was written, written in the original. By the way, the original Bible... Was not written in King James English. The original Bible was written in Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, right? Some different languages. And so you want to know what the right version is? It's those. But since we don't speak those, most of those don't speak those, then we have bunches of people that got together and prayed and, 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 and talked back and forth and, and translated these to where they'd all have to line up into these versions, okay? So that's why we read these, and it's probably going to be better for us just, just to read these. Not that you can't go back and look up a word or two. But the dynamic equivalent is the message or the meaning. It means, in other words, it paraphrases, A scripture. So that would be things like the NIV, the NLT, the CEV, the GNT, the MSG. (laughs) But uh, all translations incorporate elements of both. In other words, all translations wouldn't, most of them wouldn't say we're just this. They would say, well, it's not only the, the word for word, but it's also the thought for thought at the same time. Now, let me just give you a couple of for instances so that you can understand. The book of Proverbs, I think it's 4 eight, it says in all you're getting, get understanding. Make sure you understand this. Here's wh- why you wouldn't just say, well, it's word for word or it's thought for thought. This is what matters. Let me give you two sides of it. A, dy- a formal and a dynamic translation. I'm gonna give you a verse and show it in four, four different translations, okay? And I'll do this really quick. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In the ESV, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Okay? Notice in the King James, it says inspiration of God. In the ESV, these are both formal. It was breathed out by God, breathed out by God. In the the dynamic translations of this would say all Scripture is inspired by God. And the message would say uh, every part of Scripture is God-breathed. So they said it four different ways, but we get the point of it, Okay. And they're all pretty similar. Which one is right? Well, I think all of them kind of help you to get an understanding that that the scripture isn't just scripture written by people. It was written out of the heart and the mouth of God. Just like he breathed into man the breath of life, he breathed through man the word of God. Okay? Let me show you another one. Let me show you another one. Uh, Formal. Uh, This is a funny kind of scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it talks about... Uh, um, like a man with, well, you'll you'll see it. In the formal, it's in the NASB, it says, if any man thinks that he's acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she's past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let her marry. What is he saying? Well, I don't know what he's saying. (laughs) But, but I think this is from somewhere in the deep south. <laughs> like, I don't know what this, I'm going to read Here's what I think. I'm going to read this in a different version. Look at this one. This one says, New King James, if any man thinks he's behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she's past the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He doesn't sin. Let him marry. Maybe a little bit more clear on that one, okay? Uh, Look at this one. This is also formal, okay? Word for word translation. It says, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, what's betrothed? Someone you're engaged to. In other words, if you're engaged to someone but you're stepping over the line, your hands are going places and other things are going, you know, this is what to do. If his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes and let him marry. It's not sin. It's better to marry than to burn with passion, so, how do you know it's, what he's saying? How do you know it's time to get married? <laughs> when you want to do married things. Yes. That's what he's saying, right? Now, but when you look at this first one, you go toward his virgin daughter. What, what the heck's he talking about there? Well, look at this one dynamic translations. In the NIV, it says, if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he's engaged to. So, it. What this what this virgin up here meant toward his virgin daughter, he meant it is his virgin daughter. Now it's not his daughter, but she is a virgin daughter. Right. She's the virgin daughter of this this of the dad. Right? Right? But you wouldn't normally just pick that up on a word for word. So the thought for thought would say not acting honorably toward the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels like he ought to marry, he should do what he wants and not not sin, right? He is not sinning. They should get married. And then the NLT, it says, but if a man thinks that he's treating his fiance improperly, you go, finally, you just said it. I should have written that out, right? Well, we're not translating the Bible. We're going back to some translations, right? Treating his properly, uh, his fiance improperly and will inevitably give in to his passion. Let him marry her as he wishes. It's not a sin. So you saw that in in one of the, which one's the best? Well, I would say try to select one of each as a primary. Try to, select a, uh, try, try to select a formal and try to select a dynamic, okay? Let me just tell you what I prefer. This isn't necessarily right or wrong. It's just what I prefer. I prefer devotionally reading from the NLT, devotionally. In other words, just on a, on a daily basis, I read out of the NLT. But I read for study of the word out of the New King James Version. So, uh, and I'll go back and forth. Sometimes I'll read devotionally out of the New King James Version, and I'll just go back and forth between the two. But then I'll compare them with the ESV, the NIV, the, uh, the, the message, and more, uh, more translations. So what's the right answer? The right answer is read the Bible. Yeah. Just start reading the Bible, okay? Don't get so hung up on, I'm going to study that this week. No, 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 no. Just pick one pick one of the ones I recommended maybe because there's some wacky stuff that's out there. Um, but, but, but pick, pick a, a, you know, one that's a standard one out there and start reading the Bible. Why do we read together as a church? This is one thing that I don't, I don't like control. Anybody like control? I don't like to be controlled. I don't like control in a church. I don't like control in a family. I don't like control. I'm one who if I could not have any rule books, I wouldn't have any rule books. I would just say, let's just, let's just say, it's just love one another. That's, that's what. But look at, so some people, when we're saying we're going to read the Bible together as a church, and there's a lot of people, ah, I don't want to read the Bible together as a church. And I go, okay, do whatever you want to do. That's fine. That's great. Like, I'm not going to, you know, control you or say anything. But there is something about doing something together that really makes a difference. And I'm just going to uh, appeal to you that there's four reasons why I would see. One is it brings unity to read together. There's something about reading the Bible together that it brings unity It just that we're all doing it together. The next thing is it brings fellowship in context. I was standing in the kitchen the other day, and Jake, my 16-year-old, you know, he had read something out of Revelation, and he said, hey, Dad, I was reading Revelation today, and I journaled on this, and I was wondering about this. Well, I knew exactly what he was talking about, right, because I had just read it that day, right? But if you ever had someone come up to you and said, what do you think about the Queen of Sheba wearing leather? And you're like, dude, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, haven't read, I can't remember ever. By the way, I don't, I don't think she wore leather. But I'm just saying like they'll pull something out there and you don't even know what they're talking about. They don't have context. So you can't really have fellowship together. In the book of Acts, it says they continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship. There's something about doing something together. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship that we do it together and we have context for fellowship. Uh, bring strength and accountability. You know, if I know that other people might ask me about what I read today, I'm probably going to read something today. Even if I say, oh, I just read the New Testament one today. That's what I read today, right? And they, they, the, Because it does bring strength and accountability within my home, own home. It brings strength and accountability. Not every day, but several times a week, Tiffany and I are talking back and forth about what we read this week and what the Lord's been ministering to her heart and ministering to my heart. It brings strength and it brings accountability. And then it brings focus to what God is saying individually and corporately. I believe that whenever God speaks, he's speaking both individually to your heart, but there's also collectively, you see it many times in the word, like when in the book of Revelation, when it says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. To the church. And he's talking about an individual church. He's talking about a collection of people in that city, in that church. There's things that God will speak to us as a church And I believe he speaks through uh, the Word of God. So it does bring some type of focus and some type of of accountability. Now, how to read your Bible daily. How to read your Bible daily. Let me just give you these four things real quick. Open heart. Number one, you're not reading for information. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. And there's some people who can study the Word, teach the Word, and they're arrogant And all they want to do is be a judge and put other people down. That's not us, right? That's not us. There's also people who are college professors who can teach about the wisdom literature and all those things. And they're not even professed Christians, professed believers. So it's not just about knowledge. What is it about? It's about catching what God is saying to your life. And applying it to your life. So we need to open our hearts as we read the Bible, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the Word of God, through today's reading, okay? Uh, Number two, read the chapters that are in there. Read them slow enough to catch what's being said. Have you ever got through your reading that day and you said, I didn't get anything? You know what I usually say to people? Go back and read it slower. Read it slower, right? Mark the verse that stand out. I like to, if I'm if I'm listening to it or if as I'm going through it, I like to just mark the verses. Don't stop and study them. Get through the chapter. Keep going. Keep moving. But mark those verses that really stood out to you. And then number four, pick one of the verses. Pick one of the verses. Uh, from the ones that you marked and write it down on the top of your journal page. So can you open up to the, your journal page? Right on the very top, it's, we're, we go over a thing that's called SOAP. So right at the very top, you find one verse. Some people say, well, God gave me five verses that day. Okay, pick one, pick one. <laughs> why? Because I think sometimes spiritually, the reason why we're not consistent is because we're overambitious. Yeah. I'm gonna fast 21 days water and you didn't even get through lunch, <laughs> right? Why don't we just be honest about it and just start where we are, right? If you hadn't been reading the Bible, start with a chapter. No, I'm gonna do all of it. All right, but start with a chapter. And then if you wanna do all of it and you fell back to a chapter, at least you did a chapter, right? So um, pick one verse and that you marked and write it on the top of your journal. Now, why journal? This is another big thing some sacred cows with some people. I'm not a journaler. I don't journal. See, that was me. I used to say it. I don't journal. I don't write. I'm smart. I don't need to write it down. I can remember, right? But what I came back to is I was asking God for answers in my life. And the Lord came back and said, why don't you journal? And I realized it was pride. Part of the reason I didn't want to follow a plan with, with my church or part of the reason I didn't want to just write it down was it was pride. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. And I realized the Lord was like, humble yourself, boy. Get on the road. Get on the track. I've called you who to run with. Run with them. Write it down. Journal it. I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, don't do it for you. Do it for me. Do it for me. So it helps you. Why journal? I'm going to give you four quick reasons. It helps you to learn from those that are in the past, as we read in uh, Romans chapter 15, 4. And relate to what you're facing today. Uh, number two, it helps you to develop your understanding of the truth of the word of God to combat the enemy. Remember? If you're looking at scriptures and you begin to really understand what those scriptures and the enemy, by the way, the biggest enemy I believe that the world is facing today is truth. It's a lack of truth. People are compromising the truth. And I, and I even think the enemy can sway you into to say, you don't really need the word. You don't really need. No, no, no. Listen, you need the word. Yeah. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. It's important, and he is the word of God. It helps you to develop understanding of the truth of God's word to combat the enemy so that when thoughts come, when temptation comes, when challenges come of your faith, you can stand up and say the word. Number three, it it helps you begin to discern the voice of God and understand uh, how he speaks to you through the word. You know, uh, Tiffany, she, she, I'll call her or she calls me probably several times a day um, or, you know, two or three times a day. And she never, I never answer the phone. Well, I know that I have her name, okay, in her, in her picture. I have a funny picture of her. You made some face or something. And I put it up so I always go, hey, baby, what's going on? But, but in the day when you didn't see their pictures and you didn't know who it was, she never would say, hello, hey, this is Tiffany. I would go, of course it's Tiffany. I know who you are. I know what your voice sounds like. She knows what my voice sounds like, right? If, I, if there was no, no caller ID, I'd know what it sounds like. Why? Because I hear her voice all the time. She hears my voice all the time. How do you discern the voice of the Lord? Because the voice of the Lord is in Scripture. Yes, sir. And when you begin to read Scripture and read Scripture, you know how God speaks. That's why sometimes someone, someone will come up and say, you know what God told me, such and such, and I'll say, God didn't tell you that. Absolutely not. Well, why, well, why not? Because it's against Scripture. It's against the Word, Right? I'm married to Sally, but I don't like her, but I like Sue. God told me to marry Sue. No, 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 no. God didn't tell you to marry Sue. Why? Because what God's joined together, let no man separate. He's not going to come tell you divorce Sally to go with Sue because Sue looks better today. No. God always, God's voice always agrees with his word because his word is his voice. So if you want to discern and know what the voice of the Lord sounds like, you go back and start meditating what the word of God sounds like. Why journal? You learn from the past. You develop understanding of the truth. You learn to de- uh, discern the voice of the Lord. And it helps you to document what God is saying to you and what decisions you're making today. How many times has the Lord, like, confirmed something in prayer or as you're reading the word and you're like, I know God's saying that. And then, like, a month later, he said the same thing. Yep. And, and it's like, if you'd have just learned from it last month, he could have told you something else. Yeah. But you're still working on that thing from three years ago. Yeah. Right? So what do you do? You document the things that the Lord is pointing out to you and highlighting to you and you start taking steps on those things in your life. How do you journal with soap? Okay, this one's quick. How do you journal with soap? You write the scripture. Soap is, 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 is an acronym that we use, S-O-A-P. By the way, don't get caught up with semantics. I don't like soap. I just like the way God, God never put soap in there or whatever. It's just a tool God never had chapter and verses. God never had leather on his Bible. God never had, you know, a, a, a phone on his Bible either. So what are, you, what are you supposed to do, throw it all out? These are just helps, okay? So soap is just a way for you to take what's in God's word and get it into, apply it into your life. It's a very easy acronym. Number one is scripture. At the top of your page, take that one scripture and write it, just copy it, okay? Copy it out of your Bible. Number two is write, the, write your observation, Put in your own words what you see in the verse. I would just say, just like you were going to explain it to somebody. Just say, what does this verse mean? You go, oh, this verse means you know, such and such, and you explain it. Well, that's what the observation is, and that's why I highlighted it, because it really meant something. Then write out the application. What is the application? It's how does this apply to your life? I would say that's the most important thing. Because if you read the word and you don't apply it to your life, then again, you become, you, just, you become someone who has knowledge and can apply the word to others, but you never see the word affecting your own life. So you have to come back and say, this verse applies to my life in this way. And sometimes in that application, I say, man, I need to repent of this. Yes. You say, you need to repent? I repent every day. Yes. I repent every day Amen. of things. I have to, I'm not talking about big, bad things, but if I don't repent of little things, Eventually, they'll all become big, bad things. You know what I mean? Because you have to bring your heart to the Lord on a regular basis and say, my thoughts aren't right. My words weren't kind here. The way that I'm thinking isn't right. The way that I plan this isn't right. Right? So you come back and you align yourself, the application, how this verse applies to you. And then this last one is prayer. This is where prayer meets word. The word in prayer. This is where your prayers meet the word. That you come back, the most powerful prayers that you can pray is the word of God. The most powerful prayers that you can pray. You come back and you say, Lord, this is my response to what you're saying to me. This is my response to what you're saying. Let me, let me, uh, I'm almost done here. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. Are you, are you getting some things out of this, by the way? Good. Again, I just hope that they're filling in gaps. um, How to journal uh, with soap. Uh, uh, On the application, I wanted to point out one thing with this application. Uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey. He didn't say baptizing them and giving them knowledge. In other words, there's a difference between knowledge-based discipleship and obedience-based discipleship. If we're just knowledge-based disciples and we know everything, I already know that verse. Yeah, but do you live that verse? Because when you live that verse... You can hear that verse over and over, and you know that you're not like Jesus yet. And so you need a little bit more of it, right? It's obedience-based discipleship. Obedience-based discipleship is what we're after. Um, uh, Let me say, by the way, um, well, here, let me go on with this. Questions. Let me just uh, address a couple of questions, and these are quick. What do I do if I miss a day or days? Like I'm reading, and I blow it. Say today. Say today dang, I forgot to read today. So tomorrow you're like, what do I do? You skip it and you just read that days. Don't try to go back. It's just like making up for your sins, doing penance or something. Don't go back and try to make up for, if you skipped two or three days or a week, or if you skip, just pick up where you left, just pick up right now today and read today's reading and get back on track. But what if I want to catch up? Well, then then later on, go back and catch up. Like I know, when we were in Israel a few weeks ago, I got like 10 days behind on my reading because I was reading Israel stuff and all the stuff we were doing. So I got way, way, way behind on my reading. Well, when I came back, I'm like, man... Because this is, this, you know, I, I wanted to, yesterday I got to check off, and it was like, ding, ding, and threw a party on my phone of like, you finished your reading. And I did it last year, and I did it this year, and I was excited that I finished the Bible again. I've read through the Bible many times, but I just love to do it. It's not so I can say I did it. It's so, it's in my heart, and now when the Holy Spirit reminds me of things, he has something to remind me of. Amen. Right? And so, so uh, but I remember I came back from Israel, and I had like 10 days, maybe it was like 12 days I was behind on my reading. What did I do? I just, every single day, I read two days of reading. And then 12 days later, I got caught up. And I got caught back up. So I, I'm not worried about it. I'm not doing this to check a box. I'm not doing this so you'll like me or don't like me, right? Or I like myself. Jesus likes me. If I don't read the Bible all year, he still likes me. That's right. Amen? Amen? That's right. Okay. So what do I do if I miss a day or two? I just forget it, and I move on, and I take on a day. Uh, next, what if, what if I already have another reading plan or a devotional? I already go through this devotional or that. That's awesome. I love other devotionals. Can I just ask you, though, to pray about doing this one first? Let's lean in as a church body. Let's lean in as a church family, and let's do this first. And then if you want to do the others, do the others as well. But, but just put this one on the front of the line and just do it together. Just pray about it, okay? Uh, number three, what if I don't understand the things that I'm reading? If you don't understand something you're reading, the best thing I can tell you to do is to write down the question. Write down the question because the question will come back up. You want to answer those questions, right? And you can go back and study it. Sometimes you write down the question. Sometimes you might have a list of questions, and the answer may be in next week's reading, right? Or you can go out and study it, or you can ask someone. Jump into a small group. Ask the people in the small. Group, ask people at church. Ask one of the pastors. Ask people what they think about it, and get those answers answered. I don't believe that we're supposed to sit and not know what the word of God means. I believe that God wants to reveal, in fact, oh, you know, people will quote that scripture. Oh, no, what is it, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 or something. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things that God has loved him, brother. We're not supposed to know. Well, keep reading. Because it says in the next verse, but God has revealed those things to us God, through God. His spirit. Right? He wasn't saying we're not supposed to know. He's saying your mind won't always catch it. Yeah. Your emotions won't always catch it, but your heart will catch it. God yes. wants you to catch those things. Yes. So keep going after. If you have questions about God, if you have questions about the existence of God, ask him. Yes. That's how I got to know the Lord. I asked the Lord, I don't even know if you exist. I don't even know if you're real. And what happened? He met me. See, God has answers, so you can ask God questions. Uh, write them down. And then, uh, last of all, how do I continue to grow in God's word? You just keep doing it every day. You just keep doing it. It's not about quantity today. It's not about two hours in the word today. It's about five minutes in the word today and tomorrow and the next day. And the, how does a farmer have, you can come over. here. How does a farmer plant seed and have a harvest? It's that today he plants. The next day he waters. The next day, and he keeps going. Uh, what if I don't read very well? Somebody answer that. What if I don't read very well? My dad, I was raised with a dad who was illiterate. My dad had, I don't know what he had. He had, he had dyslexia before we knew what, that there was dyslexia. But my dad couldn't spell. My dad could barely write his name. I still have the last note he wrote to me on a little card. And he spelled my name wrong. <laughs> he gave me my name and he spelled my name wrong. I still laugh at it. You know, dad, come on, you know. But I'll tell you what. He would go after it with the Bible. And by reading the Bible doing his best to read the Bible. I would hear him every day. He, he, it, it'd, take, it'd, take him, it'd take him an hour to get a chapter done. But I'd watch him read the Bible. So I'd come over and I'd say, Dad, you want me to help you with that word? Yeah, 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 what, what is that? Oh, okay, okay. he go over and read the Bible. But you know what? Today's software, I remember when I bought my dad some CDs that he could listen to the word. He was so thankful. Amen. On the Bible app, you can let it read to you. Amen. And you can read along. And guess what? It'll not only get God's word in you, It'll help you with your reading. It'll help you to become a better reader. God will heal whatever that is, right? That you can become a better reader. And so what if I don't read very well? I'm gonna leave you with this scripture in 2 Timothy. I think it's one of the best scriptures about the importance of the word of God. It's this. All scripture, sometimes we think there are irrelevant parts of the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be say those next two words with me, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you know that everything you need everything you need to work for God? Everything. You don't need to read one more business book. Readers are leaders. I believe that. Start with the word. Because some of the best reading, reading and leadership books came from the Bible anyway. The principles came from the Bible anyway, right? Everything you need to serve the Lord. Everything you need. Every answer that you need. Every question that you have. It's found in the Word of God. And you can go back to the Word of God to find it. I was reading this illustration, and I'm going to leave you with this. I, I was reading this illustration about planes that travel to destinations planes that travel to destinations. And, and uh, you know, when, when you go to from one place to the other, like if you're going to go from here to Los Angeles, okay, they would, they would see where the turbulence is and see where the flight paths are and see and then they would type in their coordinates and type in exactly where their destination is and then their, the plane would take off and be on some type of autopilot but then they make adjustments based on weather and based on different things. But it's constantly there's little adjustments that happen. You never do see a straight path that's like just a straight path. Do you know that's how our lives are? It's never that now that I made Jesus the Lord of my life, it's just here to heaven. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you've been doing, but that's not how my life's been. <laughs> my life sometimes will go off the road and on and a little turn here, a little turn in there. I'll tell you what, daily time in God's word helps me to check weather patterns. Helps me to check other things that are in the air, things that I need, it, it turns my heart to depend more on God and to say, God, it doesn't seem like it's working. The Lord will turn, turn to the left, turn to the right. In fact, statistically, there's a high cost for miscalculation. Did you know that for every one degree, a pilot flies off course, every one degree a pilot flies off course, they'll miss their de- destination by 92 feet. Uh, of, uh, uh, 92 feet for every mile flown. Which means that at that rate, every 60 miles, the airplane would be off course a whole mile. Every 60 miles. And if the pilot starts at the equator and the goal is to fly around the earth, the plane, if it was off by one degree, the plane would land almost 500 miles off target. Because I know sometimes, you know, you'll think, I'm mostly on. I sort of got this thing. Sort of won't work. You got to get this thing. You got to dial yourself in. You got to take the word and calibrate. I mostly got it. No, you got to calibrate yourself to where you got it. You're locked in to what God is saying. How often? On a daily basis. You're checking in with God on a daily basis. And you're watching him change your life. What's the lesson? Well, the longer you travel off course, the further away you are from your intended target. There's a lot of people who fly years off target and they don't know what to do. Let me tell you, today's a brand new day. Start today. Let's start today. Can we do this? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Would you open up your heart and say, Holy Spirit, I, teacher of the church, would you teach me? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I submit my heart to you, my mind to you. I submit myself to you today. Teach me by your word. Help me to be all that you've called me to be, I pray. Holy Spirit, I commit myself to your word in 2023. Can we say that together? I commit myself to the word of God in 2023. In the name of Jesus. That is your fresh start. That is your fresh start. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity today. I know it's far beyond a prayer, but it starts with what we believe and what comes out of our mouth. Jesus was sent by God to this earth, Son of God. He died on the cross, took our sin, was raised again on the third day. And it says in the book of Romans if we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead that we would be saved. It's not something you did confess. It's something you do confess. Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I want you with your heart today if you want to receive Jesus. In fact, could we all do it as believers today? Would you say Jesus I confess you as my Lord and my Savior I commit to follow you I repent of my sins. Come into my heart and make me brand new. From this day forward, I call myself a believer. In Jesus' name.